I'll bless him at all times, and his praise shall continually be in my mouth. I'm thankful for the Lord, so good to us. Not a time. His worthiness of praise is not predicated on my current situation. He's worthy. He, the Bible says we ought to praise him according to his excellent greatness. It just, he never stops being excellent. He never stops being great. He, he's God, and he's good all the time. So uh, we ought to just bless him with every chance we get. You know, there's one place in the scripture that uh, one of the writers said, seven times a day do I praise thee. And uh, he's not just talking about, uh, at least I, I don't get in the context that he's just like, I, I make a statement seven times a day, praise the Lord. But he stops and takes time to thank God, praise God seven times a day. Intentional about, you know, we're intentional about prayer. We should be intentional about fasting, should be intentional about studying. But uh, what about praise? The Bible says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. And so we can't save praise for the worship part of our service. It ought to be when there's no music on at all. Glory to God. I, I've told this story many times, but I was sitting in the, the, my pastor's kitchen years ago. Me and him had been sitting there talking, and he got up to make him something to eat, and he just, I just watched him as he was walking across the kitchen to get something. I just heard him, glory to God. Just, you know, just always in that mind frame of just giving God glory. And I, it, it, it stuck with me. I thought, I didn't see nothing happen. I didn't see no angel in the room, you know. Uh, I didn't know if it was because he liked that oyster stew he was about to make, but it was, uh, you know, he, but he was giving God some praise. And, uh, you know, it, uh, learned a lot uh, watching those elders, man. They, they really, they had something. I appreciate them so much. Anyway, tonight we need to get started. Um, we're going, since we didn't have our 11 o'clock service on Sunday, I, do, I didn't want to miss any of these lessons, so we're going to uh, catch the lesson up tonight that should have been on Sunday. And we have been talking about the DNA of a disciple. And last week we talked about the priority of love. And um, tonight uh, we're going to talk about the measure of love. So if you, while you're standing, 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7. Familiar passages we've re read and went over these or quoted them a lot this month. But uh, this is the month I guess everybody focuses on on love anyway, so uh, might as well uh, direct it toward the love of God. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7 says that charity or love suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up. It doth not behave itself unseemly. It seeketh not her own. Is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil. Rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. It beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, and it endureth all things. So tonight we're going to talk about the measure of love. And since uh, love is the defining trait of the Christian faith, then its characteristics, which we just read about, will become obvious in all of our relationships, all of them. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for your word, and thank you for that wonderful love of God. Lord, let it, God, as we are filled with the Holy Ghost, Lord, I know we pray to build ourselves up on our most holy faith. 
Lord, it's also the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts through the Holy Ghost. Lord, let that power of love be in our lives that we can win people to the kingdom of God and make a difference in this life. We ask it tonight in Jesus' name. Everyone said amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise tonight before you're seated. What a great God, thankful for his word. You can be seated tonight and thank you for being in the house of the Lord. God's so good to us. You know, sometimes when I'm teaching, in these, especially in these series, you know, some, some of them they do because they are meant to run back to back and connect. Some of the scriptures overlap, and I'm like, Lord, I don't want to just be repetitive. I don't want to, you know, it's like, I don't want it to sound like it's the same message over and over again. And, man, something just jumped on me and said, how many times do you listen to your favorite song in a row? Yes, sir. So, you know, uh, sometimes we might be like, man, another lesson on love? Yeah. Because it helps us get it. And uh, I can tell you one thing for certain, as Paul said, and we, we said that in the first lesson about the priority of love. He said, I can have faith to move mountains. I can have great revelations and know all kind of mysteries. He said, but if I don't have love, I am nothing. And it profits me nothing. whole lot of nothing when you don't have no love. When you ain't got love, you ain't got nothing. And so... Uh, if there's anything uh, that will be the measure of who we are, uh, it will be love, the measure of love or the characteristics that love has shall become obvious in all of our relationships, every single relationship. Hello. You know, uh, we think relationships, well, that just means legal relationships. Nope. Relationships are the people you work with, the people you go to school with, the people you sit in church with, the people that you play ball with, the people you play golf with, fish with, eat with, the people you sit on the bus beside, the people you shop with, the people that are where you are on vacation, the, the man that delivers your mail, the man that delivers your Amazon package. I thought that would have got another amen. You know, but it's relationships uh, because... Uh, we know that anybody living or breathing is our neighbor. That means there is some form of relationship there. We're related. You know what relationship? You're related. And guess what? He's made all people of one blood. It don't matter. You might be walking down the street and see somebody that's, an, that's another color, another race, you know, from another country. You're kin to them. We all started out from the same garden. Yeah, you know all these people came from the same garden. Hello. And so uh, we need to make sure that uh, we understand that we don't get to pick and choose our relationships as far as we are when it comes to being children of God. Because, now, I'm, I'm, get me wrong, I know that we, we preach a lot of times you've got to be careful who you yoke yourself to you've got to be careful who you uh, run with but even people you don't run with you must love and so that doesn't when I'm saying well you got to have a relationship no you don't have to partake of 
of wrong things and evil things and wicked things, but uh, we must love all men. Oh, no man, anything but to love one another. That's for us. We've got to love people. And uh, John 3.16 said, For God so loved the world, he put no descriptors on who that meant. That just meant anybody. It was inclusive. That scripture is inclusive. For God so loved the world. Well, if God is inside of me, then I will love the world as God loves the world. And these characteristics of love, because God is love, will be in my life. That means I will uh, have everyone that was from verse 4 through 7 that we just read. Those characteristics, you don't get to say, well, I like this one okay, but I can't handle this one. Uh, they, got, they all come with it because they all come with the package of love. And so there are relationships that we have as children of God, and if we are going to be disciples of God, disciples of Jesus, then we will be like Jesus. You're not a disciple of something that you're not like. You've got to be like him and uh, find me somebody, find me somebody, give, point him out in the scripture, highlight it and, and take a picture of it and send it to me. Find me somebody uh, besides the devil that Jesus didn't love. Come on, find it in the scripture. He, he loved people that were full of spirits. He loved people that were sick. He loved people that were broke down. He loved people that didn't love him. He, you know, he, harlots, publicans, sinners, drunkards, all these kind of people. I mean, uh, People who were Gentiles, he loved them. It didn't matter. Jesus loved everybody, and he was there. So we have different relationships in our life, and, and first and foremost, I guess, in the house of God, we, we are brothers and sisters in the Lord. So the characteristics of love should be displayed toward one another in the body. I'll have to say that again that the characteristics of love should be displayed toward one another in the body. First and foremost, why? Because Jesus said so. John 13 and 35, as Jesus was talking with his disciples, he said, By this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have love one to another. Now, he wanted us to love the world, but he, he saw inside the relationship of these uh, 11 men, 12 men that were sitting there. He saw what was inside of them, and he realized that, hey, you know what? They're flesh and blood. Just because they're following me doesn't mean they might not get a little bent out of shape with one another, may not like what one of them. Remember one time two of them decided, hey, Lord, let us sit on the right and left of you. And all the other disciples were like, who y'all think y'all are? You know, they got a little bent out of shape with them over it. Uh, but, but, you know, it's because we are human and we are in our flesh that uh, uh, sometimes you, you, you're going to just have to love because love will take care of it. Love covers all things. <laughs> you know, if we are a book of Acts church, then we're going to have love and we're going to encourage our brothers and sisters. There was a man in the scripture named Joseph, and he was surnamed Barnabas, which meant an encourager. And Barnabas, or he was an encourager to the point that when uh, Paul was converted, when Saul was converted, and you know, we call him Paul, but when he was filled with the Holy Ghost, began preaching, and he goes up to Jerusalem, nobody wants anything to do with him because he said, you used to kill us. And so Barnabas comes alongside, swallows that fear, jumps in there and says, well, I can't help but love him because I got God in me. 
And so he goes and encourages Paul, hey, don't give up. I'm going to talk to these guys. And he, he persuades them to welcome Paul. They begin to hear what he's doing, and finally they're convinced of it. And Paul is a great fixture uh, in our faith. Wrote uh, Most of the books that we preach out of in the New Testament, Paul uh, had his handiwork in those. And so uh, that's the kind of man that Barnabas was. Even when uh, uh, Paul and Barnabas kind of had a falling out because... Uh, Paul did not want to take Mark. There was a little dispute going on. Mark had abandoned Paul on a missionary journey one time. Paul didn't like it, upset about it. So when next time Mark wanted to go with him, he said, nope, Mark's not going. Well, Barnabas said, yeah, he is. Paul said, no, he ain't. So they just parted ways. They didn't quit loving each other. And so, you know, so now Barnabas is encouraging Mark, and thank goodness Mark didn't get hurt and fall out because we know that he later wrote the Gospel of Mark, which we have. And then later in Paul's life, he actually wrote to Timothy. He said, bring Mark with you because he's profitable for me in the Gospel. See, love will get over things. Love will help you get to the end of things, even with our brothers and sisters. To be a disciple of Jesus is to love and encourage our brothers and sisters in the Lord. We've got to take care of the house. There's so many times we talk, you got to get your house in order. You know what? The body needs to get the house in order. And we need to love each other and encourage each other. There's a scripture that always uh, makes me want to tighten up when it says, and judgment shall first begin at the house of the Lord. It's going to start with us. And if judgment is going to start with us, you better believe that love ought to be first and foremost uh, in in what we're doing because if, if we're not loving... When we step up to the judgment bar, it's going to be a bad day for us, for the house of the Lord. Uh, you know, even the Lord told one of the churches in the book of Revelation, he said, I got something against you because you left your first love. We don't want to uh, let love go and try to have church, try to have service, try to have outreach, try to do programs, do all these things, uh, fill a room up, and then not be able to maintain it, not be able to uh, nourish it, cherish it, lift it up, Bless it. Build it. That's what a church is supposed to be doing. It's a church family. And I know sometimes family can be crazy. In the natural, we'd all be like, whoo, that's the other side of the family. You know, that's, we, got, we got that uh, crazy stuff that goes on sometimes in our family. There's some that we, like, uh, we, don't, we don't stand too close to them in the picture. You know, we don't, nobody know we're related. We, no, I don't know them. And uh, no, that's not, uh, I don't know who they are. It's, uh, you got the same last name. It might be them other Waldens. I don't know. It's uh, somebody else, you know. Uh, but, you know, you do that sometimes. But, you, you know, but the thing is, is, is family's family, good or bad, it's, it's there. We've got to love them. Got to pray for them. Got to try to do what we can. Uh, the Bible says to live in peace with me, all men as much as it lies within you. So do your best with it. But in this house, and I'm not just talking about our church, but in any church, any congregation, if the congregation is not healthy, the ministry won't be healthy. And we're not going to be healthy without love. We're not going to be able to function like we should when the body gets sick. If we, can't have, if we don't have love, we can't heal. Yeah. We've got to be able to heal and, and, and get through and get by, but without love, we can't do it. So one of the great benefits and challenges 
of being a disciple. I'm going to be a disciple of Jesus. Boy, people just throw that out there and have no idea the splinters they're about to get carrying that cross. They have no idea the, the suffering that they're going to go through and the wounds they're going to catch because of saying, I'm a disciple of Jesus. You know, there's so many little catchphrases for serving God now, and people, you know, they jump on that kind of stuff because people love a phrase. They love a, a slogan. They love a quote. And, boy, that's, that's who I am. You know, uh, you know, one popular one, and I mean, I like the song, but, but you know, when, they, when DC Talk came out with Jesus Freak, everybody was a Jesus Freak. You know, no idea what it means. But now that's not DC Talk's fault. They try to tell people, said they were talking about the martyrs, and that, they just used that term for it. You know, uh, whether you like it or not, that's the term they used. Um, but people will jump on that, but, hey, guess what? That means you're going to love people. You start hollering out, that's me, I'm a Jesus freak. Well, are you? Yeah, I'm a Jesus freak. Then you're going to be wrapping them arms around people and loving them. That's what you're going to be doing. Yeah, you're going to be, you're going to be hip-hopping right up next to somebody and say, hey, I love you, and I'm praying for you, and let me encourage you and strengthen you and help you and do what I can for you. But the challenge of a disciple is living in relationship with other Christians. Yeah, hey, it ain't always how we live with the other world or live with those that are in the world. It's how we get along in here. We've got to be healthy in here. We can't help nobody out there because Jesus said the only way they're going to know that you belong to me is when you love each other. But if they see you bickering and fighting and carrying on or just never talking to one another... Well, how are they going to know you got anything at all? They got that at work. They, they got clicks at work, clicks at school. We don't need clicks. We don't need nothing like that. We need unity and brotherly. The Bible says let brotherly love continue. Uh, and, if, and, hey, and if we're a book of Acts church, that'll be part of it because they loved each other, helped one another, uh, you know, prayed, lifted up. Did, donated, gave, helped, whatever they could do. Uh, you read it in the book of Acts, man, they were always behind one another, house to house, not just in this room, but house to house. They had relationships with their brothers and sisters. The benefits uh, of having a community of friendship and mutual care, uh, you know, is, is having you know, two are better than one, having somebody that can pick you up, lift you up, that can pray with you and counsel with you and talk to you. Somebody you can just... Talk to. I tell you, it's awful if we feel like we can talk to people outside of the church quicker than we can to people in the church. That's why, boy, there's so many scriptures tells us about you know, uh, that, that tongue and that, that, that wicked tongue that uh, no man can tame it. And, and, and there's so many scriptures about liars and gossiping and backbiting and stuff like that. And that's all written to the church. The world ain't backbiting me. And if the world's gossiping about me, so what? They don't know what goes on in here anyway. But, boy, when that stuff gets in a church, man, it's just pulling at the fiber of it. It's tearing it down. It's breaking it up. And it just shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. Pray against that stuff. Resist that stuff, man. Be careful, uh, you know, about just talking. You know, gossiping ain't just lying. Gossiping is just talking about something you ain't got no business talking about. Just don't talk about it. Just uh, when you feel, you say, hey, you, if you 
just cut yourself off. And they go, hey, what was you going to say? Nothing. Just nothing. Oh, you was going to say something? Yeah, I was going to, but I'm not. Stop yourself. Stop yourself so that you don't uh, cause somebody to think something about somebody else. Don't put thoughts about other people in their head. Don't make them feel like, oh, something's wrong with them. Something's bad. They, they're not, you know, just don't. Lift one another up. All the characteristics of love should be in this house first. See, the thing is, the closer that we work with and do life with other people, then the more exposed to their personality and character flaws we are. So we just have a casual little fly-by-night you know, relationship, superficial relationship with people. You don't really know what they're about. But when you spend time with people, they thought, man, I didn't know they was like that. But you know what? It's still your brother or your sister. I just got through worshiping with them. I just got through praying with them. Me and them together just prayed three people through the Holy Ghost. We shouted and danced and worshiped. We went out to eight. I had no idea they, they, they liked that. Oh. Still your brother or your sister. And you, you can't forget, hey, we were just working together. We, because personalities and likes and dislikes and things like that, man, we're going to all, I don't care for that. I don't care for that. You know, some people like sushi, some don't. I don't, you know. But I still love people that like sushi. I got a wife that likes sushi. I love her. I'm not going to eat it. I don't even try it. She said, you want to try it? I know. I said, I wouldn't rob you of one bite. I said, you go right ahead because I love her that much. But, you know, it's, it's things that, you know, hey, guess what? You have a house full of people born again and saved. Might not have the same political views. You can't let that divide you. Oh, hey, and, you know, you may all like the same football team. You might not like the same soda. I don't know, but you know, I like the you know, same car or whatever, but, but you still got to get along and love each other. You may not like this style or that style, but you still got to love each other. You may have a favorite speaker. You may have a favorite singer. You, you know, but hey, guess what? We're all in this together doing our part. Love one another. If we're going to do this apostolic Christian born-again life together, then we're going to have to let love Help us. You know what? Love will get you through it. Love will help you. Uh, you know, when a person becomes born again, it does not change all the things that they are. It gets rid of, see, you know what? We get born again so we can get our sins washed away and be filled with the Spirit. And then we walk in the Spirit and we learn to walk by faith, let the fruit of the Spirit evolve in our life so that we can be better. Uh, but you know what? automatically right off the bat being born again, coming out of the water, does not change everything about your character right away. There's still, you got to learn how to live. That's why Peter said after they were baptized, he said, and with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, save yourself from this crooked generation. you got to learn how to live now that you've been born again. And we work on it. That's a daily work. And it'll be a daily work. If Paul could say, hey, I know where my flesh dwells, no good thing. You better believe today you and I can make the same statement with assurance that I know in my flesh dwells no good thing. If I'm not letting the Spirit of God lead me, look out. And if we don't let the Spirit of God lead us, we're in trouble. But if we do, guess what? Love. Right off the bat, it'll be love. So, uh, you know, loving those that are part of our church and part of the body as a whole it can be challenging. 
It's all right to say that. It can be. And it, don't, don't even try to act like somebody in, in your church had never aggravated you. Well, you just might as well be honest. It's the truth. You know, you know it as good as I know it. And you're like, what? But you know what? People are people. And love will help you see and understand that people are people. And people, even me, I'm a people. <laughs> That's me. And I've got the, you, know, you, you think I'm silly enough to believe that everybody likes everything I do? I don't believe that. I don't think that for a minute. Uh, I just try, I don't try to be offensive, but I just am who I am, and, and that's the way you are. And so we learn to love each other because love will conquer all of that stuff. So that's why uh, in this body, we go with what it said in 1 Corinthians 13 and 4, love suffers long and is kind. That means Christ-like love is both patient and it's kind. Those characteristics must exist if we're going to go any further. It's got, got to be there. Loving other disciples of Jesus is a commandment. In Psalm 13 or 133 and 1, it said, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. How good and how pleasant. Do you think that that means that they don't have any difference of opinions? No, but you can have a difference of opinion and still love each other and be unified. Loving other disciples of Jesus, that's a commandment. We've got to get it, but it is lived out by doing and not by feeling. That's why it's measure. Do you know you can love somebody even when you don't feel like it? Yeah, you can. You can still love them even when you don't feel like it. Your kids, well, you wait till some of y'all ain't got kids, but those of us who got kids, hello. You love them kids even when you don't feel like it. Yeah, I want to smash you right now. You know, I just want to just pap, 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 pap. You know, you just don't, you don't feel very loving right now. You ain't ever been upset with your child? Yeah. You know, but you don't hate them. You don't kick them out. You don't throw them away. You, but you just love them even when they disappoint you, even when they do wrong, you know, when they tear something up, when they're coloring on the wall or their self, you know, whatever. You, you know, I see some of these videos of kids sometimes, and the mom or dad walks in, and the little boy standing there with a little electric razor, and he done took part of his hair off and did his little sister too, you know, and, Nobody's rejoicing over that, but they still love them. You know, you're like, what has happened? You know, you see, you see your kid, you know, walking around, you know. Anyway, I got to keep moving. You get to what I'm saying is that uh, you love people by living that out, not by how you feel. That's why, listen, the Holy Ghost, I've got to let it lead me, guide me, be up front in my life. The Bible tells me not to quench the spirit. If I don't quench the spirit, I'm going to get along with anybody. Yeah. If I don't quench the spirit, I'm going to love everybody. Uh, but if you ever find yourself in a I don't love them, you're quenching the spirit. Sorry. You are because the first fruit of the spirit is love. And when you can actually think it in your mind, or say it from your lips that I don't love that individual, then you have just quenched the Spirit. 
you'd have to show me scripture to, to, to make me doubt that because I, I, that's what the scripture tells us to do, love people, and we love them. The only way, I promise you, the only way we're going to love people with the love of God is through the Holy Ghost because that's how the love of God is shed abroad in our heart. And so, uh, but God did things. He didn't just say things. He did things. Jesus didn't just say it. He showed it. He lived it. He, he was that love in action, and that's what we will be. You think he felt like loving them people that was punching him in the face, saying, prophesying to me? You think he felt like loving people that was driving nails through his hands and feet? No. But uh, he, you know, he, it was agonizing. It was painful. They shamed him. They, they humiliated him. And then they, they killed him. But he loved them because that's who he was. And so to love as Christ loves, we must do loving actions regardless of feeling that we have toward people. Sometimes we, we feel less than loving at times, but we must do that anyway. Jesus declared to his first disciples, and he said, I give you a, a new commandment that you love. This is John 13 and 34, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. So he's looking at these disciples that have been with him for a little over three years, and he's saying, you've got to love people the way I loved you. You've got to love each other the way I loved you. Now think about what they did. They made mistakes, but he loved them. They lacked faith at times, but he loved them. They misunderstood what he was saying at times, but he loved them. He got rebuked by one of them, still loved them. They questioned him, still loved them. Betrayed him, still loved them. Denied they knew his name, still loved them. That's how Jesus loved his disciples. Hey, they were great people, great men of God. And look at Peter, one of the greatest figures in Scripture, rebuked the Lord, had a bad temper, cutting people's ears off, all kind of things, you know, ready to fight, quick to say, I'll stand, even quicker to say, I don't know him. And Jesus loved him. Loved him anyway. Hey, guess what? He loved Judas. He knew what he would do, but he loved him anyway. These disciples were men, just like you and I. They were diverse backgrounds, personality types, and character flaws. But Jesus actively demonstrated his patience and kindness to them as he walked with them for three years and taught them. The type of love he was commanding, it had little to do with feeling. He used love as an action verb. Love is intentional. We always talk about people falling in love. You know, well, you do not fall into Christian love. You walk in it. Hello. You don't fall into Christian love. You walk in Christian love. And one key way of loving other disciples is demonstrated through fellowship. This will be the one that's, that's tricky for people. Fellowship should be a priority. There's a disturbing trend in our society today, and believe me, I know because I am by nature an introvert that I am fine. Uh, I'm good in silence. You ask my wife, I don't need noise. We can go on a four-hour road trip. I wouldn't have to say a word. Drives are insane. I don't even have to hear the radio. Mm -mm, no news, no nothing. I'd ride just in my head thinking, and I'm fine. Like that. Don't bother me at all. I can uh, 
just retreat. If, if I'm not careful, I can just retreat and, and be by myself and just show up when I have to show up. But I can't do that because I can't be alone and be the child of God that I'm supposed to be. Because guess what? I need you guys. I got to have you. I need your prayers. I need your support. I need your love. I need your, your help. You know, I've got to have you. You're my brother and sister. You're, we're part of the same body. I can't separate myself and think I can do this all on my own. I can't do it. But that is going on in this world today is that people are isolating themselves in this world. There's a, a, a man by the name of Tony uh, Reinke. He wrote a book called 12 Ways That Your Phone Is Changing You. And he said, smartphones and social media were supposed to cure the epidemic of loneliness. We would all be connected. None of us would ever feel alone. But the harsh truth is that we can always be lonely, even in a crowd, and now even more so in a digital crowd. And uh, uh, Katie Couric said to a graduating class, uh, she, she had a speech called get yourself noticed, and she said, uh, she warned these students, she said, constant connectivity can leave you feeling isolated and disconnected. Do not be seduced by the false intimacy of social media. Social media is not relationship. It's, a, it's, it's nothing but a platform and a display for what's going on in people's lives, but there's no connection there. It, it doesn't work. And so it is no surprise that when we read in the scripture, it will be countercultural. So we can't rely, you know, don't get me wrong, social media can be a great tool to help get a message out, but it's not going to build relationships. And that's why in the scripture, the, the, the Bible, being disciples, it mandates fellowship with other Christians. We must have one another. It doesn't uh, merely speak to, hey, I've been in church every, every day this month. That's not what he's just not talking about attendance because guess what? We probably connect less in this room than anywhere. We come in, we worship together, but then most of us, we got, hey, I got to get out of here. What restaurant we're going? You got a few, you know, we're going to eat. We got this, we got this going on, whatever, and we're out of here. You know, you say, hey, you hug a neck, go on, but, but you don't really just sit down and take time because, you know, when we're done, we're done. We're, so we're going home. That's why it's so important to, to be intentional and have fellowship with your brothers and sisters outside of the church. Well, that's getting in everybody's, oh, no, no, don't, don't get in my house now. Come on, I don't like company. I don't want, oh. <laughs> I'm just saying, but, you know, spend some time outside these four walls, you know, uh, or, or come to something besides the regular Sunday service. Come to something that, that's going on here. One of the, that's why I like our Thanksgiving dinner because it gives us time for people to just sit and talk while they're eating and, and kind of connect together, things like that. Uh, because in service, man, especially if you're ministering, man, you're focused on, hey, what's going on? What's God about to do? I'm not trying to build a relationship with nobody right now. I'm trying to see what God's going on. I, I, I'm focused on that. But if I go out to eat with you or have a coffee with you or we go hiking or something like that, man, when we can just be together and hang out and, and talk and get to know one another, now you're building relationships and you're connecting and, and you're doing things that, that are going to help the body be healthy, make this church be healthy together. The Bible says in Hebrews 10 and 24 that 
let us consider one another and provoke unto love and to good works. I don't want to provoke anybody. Yeah, I want to provoke you to love and to good works. But I can't do that unless I am connected to you, unless we have some kind of relationship. We need to talk more. We need to uh, you know, spend some time together. We need to uh, get to know one another. You know, especially in the church our size, I get it. If we had 4,000 people, you're not going to know everybody. But in a church our size, shouldn't be nobody you hadn't shook their hand yet. Shouldn't be anybody you hadn't met in a church this size. You should make it a point. Hey, have I, shaken, have I shook their hand? Have I spoke to them? Have I introduced myself? And, and man, sometimes, especially older saints and us, the ones that have been around, when these newer people are coming in, man, do something with them. Invite them over for dinner. Take them out for dinner. But make them feel like somebody in that church uh, loves me, that they want me to do more than just come sit in a seat and pay tithes. My goodness, it's quiet in this house tonight. And then he, in verse 25, the writer in Hebrews went on to say, because this is important to be in church, he said, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhort one another. Lift one another up, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. So church attendance, don't get me wrong, that's very important. So I don't have to go to church Sunday because I went out to eat with somebody on Friday. No, that's not what we're saying. You still need to be in a place where you can worship and hear the word of God. But a church, if we can ever grab it, I've, I've said it over the last few months several times, but if we can ever grasp this love of the body, if we can ever realize that, man, God has given us something great in the church body, our brothers and sisters, people of like faith, people who have been born again, people who pray and seek God, if you could just realize what a benefit it is to be part of that army of the Lord, and if we would work on building that, then that's how we're going to be a, a, a greater force in our city. But if we're not together and on the same page in here, we'll never be on the same page out there. You know, uh, you think about a... a you've ever watched anything like this, but you look at a, you know, especially in military, you look at some of these smaller specialty teams, special ops groups, and they may be, you know, six or seven, eight in that group. Man, they are like one person. And it's not just when they're on missions, but man, they live together. They sleep in the same place. They do stuff together. They're always with each other. They, they know everything about one another. Their families are connected they're involved with each other's kids' lives and things like that, and they, they are like one moving body, and they're effective. But if they never spend any time together, and they, hey, we got a mission, and they call them all from different places, they don't know what they're doing. They don't know how to work together, and the mission fails. The mission will fail if the church don't get together. And I tell you, when we have love, we've got it together. When we start loving one another and being there for one another, uh, we have got it together. Paul wrote to the Colossian church in chapter 2. He spoke of the church uh, having their hearts knit together in love. If something is knit together, man, it's tight. It's tight. It's not, it's interwoven. It's, it's, you know, when you knit something together, all these different strings are going together. It's, it's knit together. You can't pull it apart, just yank it apart. It's knit together. 
The way we talk about being close-knit, that's what that's talking about. You, you, man, it's just there. We need the church people to be knit together in love. And then we need to provoke one another unto love and good works. We need to make sure we are uh, encouraging one another. The, the, the house needs it first and foremost. I'm not even going to get to the rest of these relationships tonight, I don't think, but um, a, a further manner, I'm trying to jump down, in which we love other disciples is when we will sacrifice to help them. That's what the church in the book of Acts did. They, uh, it, It's not... And listen, sacrificing to help people is not just limited to people that have an abundance of resource. You know, there's no, no amount, uh, anything that can stop you from helping, help with what you've got, do with what you've got. It's not about, well, I can't, I can't help anybody because I don't have nothing myself. You, got, you can pray for them, you can love them, you can talk to them, you can support them, you can be there for them, you could, man, you could go watch their kids or something, you could go help them clean their house. You could drive them somewhere, something. There's something you could do. It doesn't mean, oh, well, i got to give them $1,000. I mean, you just do something that will help them in that day. Sit with them in the hospital. Sit with them while something's going on. You know, uh, be there for them. Be there to, to help them, take care of them. And Paul said to the church, 2 Corinthians 8 and 2, he said that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. All that sounds confusing. What he was saying is that in spite of being very poor, they were very generous in helping fellow disciples. He said, well, poor people can't help nobody. Why? Sure they can. You, you don't have to have a, a, a you know, $100,000 a year income to help people. As modern-day disciples, we must strive to be generous regardless of our economic status because it's not about the amount given. It's about willingness to act in love with what we have. That's why I said if, you know, if they ask you to go one mile, go two. Go the extra mile. Just do something else for them. You know, if they ask for your coat, give them your cloak too. Give them, you know, just bless with what you've got. God's going to give it back. That uh, good Samaritan... He just took what he had. He took the oil and the wine and stuff he had and poured it in that guy's wounds. I guess he may, may have cut up one of his own coats or cloaks you know, to wrap him up. And then he set him up on his own beast, took him to the inn, and then gave some money and said, this is all I got for now, but if he owes anything, when I come back through, I'll take care of that too. He, just, he used what he had to help somebody. And so we use what we have, and sometimes we have, uh, you know, all we've got is prayers and faith. Uh, a, a hug, a pat on the back, a, a kind word, but man, be ready to help somebody. That's what we do. We've got to, but it's a sacrifice sometimes. It's not going to always be convenient. They're going to call it right as you're sitting down to eat, but they really need to talk. And so, can I miss that mouthful of food to help my brother for just a moment? You got a microwave, heat it up, It'll be all right. I know some of them, oh, but I want some time with my family, and we need family time. That's one of the other relationships that it mentions in this lesson, that we, we also must display all those the characteristics of love in our family. But uh, you've got to learn how to balance it out, I know. But sometimes people really need you. Hey, can you talk? Oh, it's just about to sit down. It's been a long day. But what if this keeps them from walking off the edge? What if this keeps them from walking away? 
you know, we, we've got to be sensitive to those kind of things and listen to what the Spirit would say and let it lead us and then be willing to act in love with what we have. Sure, we can give to missions and all kind of other things, and that's great. But, man, sometimes the greatest gift you can give is just love somebody. Loving other disciples includes spiritually challenging each other sometimes. This is who? But that's what the Bible says to do. The body should be taking care of itself. And so sometimes, you know, a lot of people got the hands-off approach. You know, nope, I just want to mind my own business, and I get that. So there are times we need to mind our own business, but it's not always biblical because Hebrews 3 and 13 says to exhort one another daily, lest any of you could be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. So we need to be involved with each other to a point that we can help people avoid the traps of sin. We are our brother's keeper. you got to believe that. Other disciples' well-being is our business. My brothers and sisters' well-being, it's not just the pastor's business. It's one another's business. That's why it says in Galatians 6, 1, it talks about if we see our brother sister overtaken in a fault you don't say ignore it just mind your business if you see them messing up he said you which are spiritual restore them in the spirit of meekness considering yourself lest you also be tempted that can be tough and it can be on both ends it's tough sometimes to say that because like because we live in this society today, well, oh, you're judging me. I'm not judging. I just, I, can, I got eyes. I can see what's going on. I can see you're not here anymore. I can see you're not praying anymore. I see you don't worship like you used to. I see you sitting in the back when you sit on the front. I mean, you know, you, I'm not stupid. I see things. I, hey, we're part of the same body, and I got the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost will lead me in truth, and I see something's going on in your life. Yeah. Now, you might not want to talk about it, but I see it. And if all I can do is pray for you, that's it. But if you want, if I can help you, let me help you. But guess what? They didn't always take Jesus' help. They won't always take your help. You can't force them. But we shouldn't ignore it. I remember, now I heard this on tape and then heard it told. So I know it was, that it happened. But some, and my wife may have been there, my sister might have been there at this service you know, and this is a little different, but there was a man that used to come to preach at the camp meetings in Milstead, and he would go around, he would minister to people. And God would give him, you know, a word for people and things and just use him tremendously. And, I mean, uh, and Brother Eberhard and different other ministers that had known him for years said, I have never one time seen him miss the marks, that he has always been right on with what he said. And some stuff seemed so incredible that it, and once it had came to pass or happened, you knew it was the Lord. I mean, it just, it just was. But he would call people out sometimes that were sick, pray for them, God, touch them and heal them. And, but, and you would think, man, that's tremendous because, man, if God's going to show somebody that, if I've got something going on, let him know so I can get better. But everybody didn't feel like that. And one night there was a woman that he asked to pray for, told her the Lord showed her she needed to touch. She said, I'm not sick. I'm okay. He wanted to come out so he could pray with her. 
And I, I listened to it on tape. I could hear the conversation. And he said, you can be seated. But he told her before she was seated, he said, the Lord said if, if he didn't take care of it tonight, it'll take a surgeon to take care of it. And just a couple of weeks later, a few weeks later, found out she had breast cancer. She had to have a double mastectomy. Now, that's tough. But see, everybody's not going to, even when it's you're just offering a good gift, offering help, um, that uh, everybody's not going to want to receive it. You, you can't take it personal. Jesus didn't. He just kept on going. Okay, I'll go to the next one. And that's what, uh, what you do. You, but you just keep loving them. You keep reaching for them. You keep praying for them. And so uh, we are our brother's keeper. It's just part of it. Now, listen, there's a difference between being a keeper and being nosy or invasive. You know, there, there's that, that scripture about uh, don't let your foot stay too long in somebody's house. It's on somebody's pillow. Uh, somebody's got that scripture. Remove your foot, redraw your toe or something like that. Get out of the house. In other words, hey, listen, people's got to go to bed sometime. You know, you can't just come over and say, hey, I'm just come sit and say, how y'all doing? I'm going to, pastor said I need to come fellowship, so I'm going to hang out this afternoon. You, you know, you got to watch invasion of privacy too. But, um, but you know, you use wisdom. We've got common sense. We're all grown up. We, you know, you, you know don't, don't wear your welcome out. Whether you're visiting somebody in the hospital, especially if you go to the hospital to visit somebody, don't go take three magazines and sit for eight hours. They sick. They don't want to try to talk to you for eight hours. Go in there, and pray for them, tell them you love them, and leave. <laughs> Unless they ask you to stay, but don't go ready to camp out when they're trying to sleep and they got forty-eight tubes in them and they're getting checked every four hours. And you had, oh, I, I, I go out while they're checking you. Said, no, don't don't do that. But love people. Let the church love each other. We've got to be able to see the benefits and the characteristics of love. In this house, I've got just a couple of things, and it's just eight o'clock. So give me five more minutes, and we'll be done. Now, that's that's enough for here. It starts here. It's got to be here because if it ain't here, it don't work nowhere else. That's why we did that one first. The love's got to be here first. But to be a disciple of Jesus is also to love the people who are unsaved. We must never forget the consequences of being unsaved: death and eternal punishment. The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We cannot forget that if people are not saved, then they're lost for eternity. Eternity. So the most loving thing that we can do is to model the love of Christ in our actions and interactions with them and share the gospel of Christ with them. Let them know that there is another life to live, that there is going to be an eternal life to live somewhere, and you can lead them into that. The greatest act of love is using all means to reach the lost. Uh, Jude said this in Jude 21 through 23, Keep yourselves in the love of God, got to have that first, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And of some have compassion, making a difference. That's love, making a difference. And others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire. By whatever means... Loving the unsaved means being proactive and intentional, and that also helps with prodigal prevention. If we will be proactive and intentional and love our people in here, that keeps people from walking away. 
So loving disciples understand that they are born again and that they are empowered to be a witness. Acts 1 and 8, you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And if the Holy Ghost comes upon you, it sheds abroad the love of God in your heart. So it ought to be active. And you shall be witnesses unto me. That means you will be witnesses in the love of God. When a disciple loses focus on his or her, her purpose, that's when they become frustrated. There's a book by Max Licato called In the Eye of the Storm. And he tells of a fishing trip his dad and a friend went on. And while they were there fishing, there was a big storm came up. And so they were confined uh, into their uh, tent, into their camper for a few days. And they were playing games. Everything was fine. But then they started getting on each other's nerves. And what he, uh, the conclusion for the story was this, that when fishermen don't fish, they fight. We were called to be fishers of men. When we do not fish, then we start to bicker and we start to fight. If we lose sight of the mission of that great commission to go and preach the gospel to all the world, to every creature, yeah, when we lose sight of that great commission, and then we're just stuck with each other all the time. And we're not doing anything but gathering together, singing a little bit, hanging out a little bit. That's when people start getting on each other's nerves. We got to, we get, that's when the fishermen fight. So to be a disciple of Jesus, uh, we've got to love people, but we've got to do what he called us to do. If we're a disciple of Jesus, we will love our enemies. It's another, guess what? Enemies are a relationship. Loving fellow disciples is pretty easy. Loving one's enemy, hard. Difficult and unlovable people are scattered throughout our lives. In our humanity, we tend to love based on merit. God, however, loves based on need. As disciples, we must battle the urge to lovingly respond to difficult people based on merit. Uh, People will hurt us, betray us, and do all kind of evil against us. Our challenge is to see their need of mercy because 1 Corinthians 13 and 7 says, true love endures all things. What we must realize is that even in this, there's an old saying that hurting people hurt people. So we should not be surprised that beneath hurtful behavior are wounds and pain that desperately need Christ-like responses of love. I, t- I say that to people all the time when talking to ministry, young ministers, people that are going into things, working with others. I say, listen, you've got to always remember that people are people and something is going on in their life. If they lash out, if they say, you've got to think something else is going on. You know them. You know, hey, man, they've always been my friend. They've always been good to me. Why did they do that? Something else is going on. Love them. Pray for them. Love your enemies. That's what Jesus said. He painted a very beautiful picture. It's difficult to grasp, but it's still a beautiful picture of discipleship when he said, love your enemies that you may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. That's what he said. If you want to be the children of your father, love your enemies. And then he went on to say, be therefore perfect, even as your father, which is in heaven, is perfect. So uh, he even went on as far as to say, there's not as much reward in loving those that love you. Everybody does that. He said, but you've got to love them people that don't love you or don't show love towards you. Now, last but not least, surely, and honey, you can come on to the music. To be a disciple of Jesus is to love your family. You've got to love your family. You cannot forsake your family. The number one marriage 
a man and woman, is mirror image of the church of God and his relationship to the church. So we can't ignore that. We've got to uh, take care of that. Uh, this love is complex, and it is simultaneously giving a tender while giving and tender while being strong and firm. A woman, a wife, in reflecting the church's submission to God, they are to show a love that willingly places places them under the headship of their husband. And then husbands are to love with a Christ-like, sacrificial love. It's mutually beneficial, and it is a giving relationship. I've told men many times, I said, don't come to me playing the husband card, talking to me about your wife, about this, that, and the other. I said, you know, well, she won't do this. She won't. I said, listen, if you're not doing what the husband should do, then why should she do what the wife's supposed to do? I said, don't tell me, ah, you know, well, I, I don't know why she's like it because I love my wife. But I said, well, are you nourishing her? Are you cherishing her? Are you providing for her, taking care of her like Christ did the church? Well, I go to work every day. That ain't what I'm talking about. I ain't talking about money in the bank. I ain't talking about food on the table. I said, do you love this woman? Are you taking care of her like Christ takes care of the church? I said, so don't complain about her not being under submission or this and when you're not under submission. <laughs> so... So, you know, that love, all those characteristics, just because the man is the head of the household and he should be the spiritual authority in that household, but if he is not under the submission to God and he is not displaying all the characteristics of love, the house is out of order. The woman should not have to take up the slack of the husband. I appreciate women that do it, but hey, it shouldn't be that way. A man should be the spiritual head of his household. He, it should be important to him so that they can train their kids, take care of their, their family, their marriage, everything can work better. It's hard when it's just, uh, the, you know, when the wife has to be everything. Can't, it shouldn't be like that. And the, Guys, I, I, I'm sorry, but we can never use the excuse, well, you know, I'll go to work, take care of all the bills, you take care of the spiritual side. Not how it's supposed to be. So I well, it might not be how it's supposed to be, but that's how it is. It shouldn't be that way. Uh, well, you 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 know you you just pastor. You don't you don't work. Thank you. Well, I can tell you what I did. I I did work, and pastor. I did them both. And I can tell you this that. Uh, I, I couldn't neglect the spiritual side of my marriage just because I worked. That don't cut it. You know, God didn't say, I'll, I'll give you a job, but you, you get to quit being spiritual. Hey, hey, fella, I'll give you a $100,000 a year job so you can take care of your family. You don't even have to come to church. Nah. You better get you a, a $10 hour job so you can stay right with God. Yep. All right, now, I better move on. You know, uh, if love's got to be at the home, you've got to show these. Uh, the Bible says that love does not behave unseemly. Does it misbehave, in other words? It's not going to behave unseemly. You know, if you were upset at your spouse because he or she, they, they are, they're always late, always coming in late from work, and it upsets you and it bothers you, makes you mad. But I'm going to be like Jesus and speak not a word. But I'm going to give him the cold shoulder. Well, that ain't right. Because now, 
Nothing's getting resolved. Nothing's happening. You got to fix it. You can't just uh, giving giving your spouse the cold shoulder. That ain't fixing nothing. That's not. uh, That's false peacemaking. He ain't making peace. I'm just. I'm just keeping peace because I ain't saying nothing. You just. There ain't no peace there. Just because it's quiet don't mean there's peace. You know, we say, well, peace and quiet. I say, yeah, that, but that ain't always. <laughs> Just because things are quiet, it, you know, it's, it's about to blow. Can't do that. Love flows between parents and children. Children are supposed to love their parents, honor them, obey them. And parents are supposed to love their kids and not provoke them to anger. And they're supposed to teach them the ways of God, train up a child in the way he should go. That's love. You teach them. If you love them, you'll teach them. Tell them what they need to know. How to live. Train up a child in the way he should go so when he's old he won't depart from it. Teach them. Train them. Let them see. You know what the best way to train somebody is show them. Not tell them. Show them. And as parents, we need to make sure we are showing our kids how to worship, how to pray, how to treat others, how to love God, how to study, how to read. Yeah, they, they should be able to quote some stuff out of here. They should be able to, to know what this book says. Our kids should have their own Bibles or their own Bible app or something, but they should have it so that they can be getting the Word of God in their head. Let them listen to good Christian music, things like that, but, man, let them listen to the Bible sometimes. Oh, Mom and Dad, it's so boring. Well, it'll save your life, son. I'm trying to help you. You didn't like broccoli at one time either, but now you're eating it. So, hey, you know, come on. They may not, they're going to, they don't understand it at first, but you've got to train them, teach them, show them. That's love. For us as disciples, every part of it, every relationship, all these characteristics of love have got to be there if we're going to make it. So it starts with us, and then it flows out to every other relationship because we are witnesses. We're missionaries into this world. We may not be foreign missions, but we're missionaries into this city, into, this, into our homes. We've got to have the love of God. Let's stand together tonight. Lift our hands for a moment. I've kept you a few minutes over tonight, but we need it tonight. We need that love of God. Come on, let's pray together. Precious Jesus, we just love you and thank you for your word and all that you're giving us. Lord, we know that your love is shed abroad in our heart through the Holy Ghost. Lord, don't let us shut that well up. Don't let us quench that spirit. But God, tonight... Just, Lord, just baptize us fresh and new with that love, with that spirit of love that we go out in this world and into our homes with our families. And, Lord, wherever we might be, whoever we might meet, that they might feel the love of God coming from us. Lord, in this house, let there be love and unity. Lord, let us love one another, nourish one another, cherish one another, build one another up, provoke one another to good works. Lord, help us to be healthy. Help us to be love healthy in this house, God. We thank you for it tonight. We love you tonight, Jesus. Bless us now and keep us in Jesus' name. Amen. Glory to God. Give the Lord a hand tonight. What a great God. What a great God. Thankful for His Word tonight. Thankful for the love of God tonight. Thankful that the Bible says He loved us with an everlasting love. That love's not going nowhere. Well, I guess I'm going to have to be like him. I'm going to have to have that kind of love that don't go nowhere. 
Hey, you still love me? I sure do. I ain't seen you in a while. You still love me? I sure do. Hey, I walked away from your church. You still love me? I sure do. I walked away and talked about your church. You still love me? I sure do. What benefit is there in hate? It don't work nothing. Bitterness, it'll choke you to death and kill you. Just love people. It works. Love never fails. What it says, I'm thankful tonight for the love of God. Thank you for being in service. Looking forward to Sunday. Invite somebody to church. Let them feel the love of God. Tell them about a Savior that loves them and wants to be with them forever. Tell them about the Lord. Go back to, that, go back to those uh, first things, that gospel. You have to start talking about seeing angels right off the bat. Tell them about Jesus, that he died for them, that he wants them to be in heaven. Tell them about the love of God. You can get to that angel stuff and falling out on the floor stuff later. Tell them about the love of God. See how to change your life. God bless you tonight. You're dismissed in Jesus' name.